Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and uh, welcome to episode 34 of Little Things for Bonsai People, the podcast. And this time I am joined by Nick Rosman. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. We're going to talk to Nick a good bit about some stuff going on in his part of the world. Uh, Nick is over in uh, Slovenia, and... We're just going to chat bonsai. We're talking about species in his range, about his experiences in bonsai. Um, from my understanding, you're also, are you still the club president of your uh, area? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let me start off by saying, saying thank you for pronouncing the, the name of my country correctly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, we, we get that a lot, you know, for being such a small country and obviously not being known as, as well in the world. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps with some people, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's also a gold star for me because uh, if you go back and listen to some of our episodes from before, I pronounce mm-hmm. a lot of words incorrectly. I mean, my my editor has a really good time going back. So if when it comes to nomenclature for trees and it comes to people who just have a name that's just a little bit more challenging, like I just stumble through it. So, uh, but <laughs> you're doing good. You're yeah, doing yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> Always. Okay, no, but yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm still the president of our local bonsai club. I've been that for, I don't know, about five, six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mainly, mainly I've got my own stuff going on. Uh, I've got my own bonsai studio. Uh, I've been doing bonsai professionally now also for a number of, of years. Uh, so this my, my studio's name is Nick Art Bonsai Studio. You can also look it up on Google. You'll find my, my, web, my website or just... Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and so on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And we'll we'll plug some more of that in there so the listeners can go and check that out. But yeah, the website's pretty straightforward. Nick Nick spelled N I K Rosman. Um, and yeah, then same, dot com. same name, different different spelling, but yeah, you just pronounce, pronounce it Nick. That's it. Yep. Uh, but before we get too far into that, I didn't mention our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over on Patreon.com. We call our patrons. Boneside Best Buds, we currently have a good little list going here. We have, uh, starting off with Tori Solis, Warehouse Rat, Snell, uh, Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Ryan Giordano, that's one of the ones I uh, struggle with, coincidentally, uh, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard Boneside Australia, The Ladies at the Flower Market, Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Vicky Auth, and also we got two new members, uh, one Bonsai Best Bud, Austin Atkins. Uh, He's been to a couple of my workshops. Uh, Really nice guy. Thank you for becoming a Bonsai Best Bud. And then I've got a $1 tier member. We always thank them right off the bat. Jason B., thank you for supporting the show. It's awesome. All the support goes a long way. And I do need to mention our editor really quick. I failed to mention him a few times on the previous episodes. But uh, Matt O'Donnell, which I was uh, having a hard time with his last name, apparently. God, I need to stop bringing that up. Now you're just going to see, you're going to think this is the whole show. It's just, uh, just to give my confidence in pronouncing words. But, uh, but no, uh, mattodonnell.com. Uh, go over to his website, check out his portfolio, go over and, uh, just fill out his contact list and you can get him to edit your podcast or any other projects. He's also a musician. So if you have music, he does music production as well. He's a bass player based out of Nashville, uh, and you can go over to his Instagram under the same name and check out his his portfolio and stuff that he's been doing. Uh, so, so Nick, uh, let's talk about you, man. How how's it going yeah. over there? What is the weather like? We always talk about the weather. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting some sunshine lately. It's getting warm here. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into the American units, <laughs> but we're getting the, the 30 degrees Celsius uh, mm-hmm. slowly. So, yeah, I, I've got no idea what it is in Fahrenheit. Sorry about that. But, yeah, it, it's summer here. So I've start, started watering two times a day. So that's taking up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, trees are slowing down a little bit, so it's more or less just watering and some maintenance work currently. Yep. That's about it. And your uh, your range in uh, in Slovenia is pretty. Your guys uh, are pretty close to the. Quite, sorry. No, I was going to say y'all are close close to the equator enough that it would be similar in two. Not to... really. Not oh, really. Okay. Uh, I'd say our our climate is quite temperate. I mean, we get some mm. snow in winter, some freezing temperature. Temperature is nothing too 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 brutal, uh, and we get some warm to hot summers. So I mean, kind of regular stuff. Like I don't know what to compare to compare it to compare um, it with, but uh, it'd be like Portland, Oregon here. Uh, could be. Although I I maybe say Portland could be even a bit colder than here. Oh, okay. uh, just so a tiny nice bit, but it's, it's, it's quite similar. It's quite similar, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's excellent range, it sounds like, for conifers, deciduous, and even... Uh, do you guys have a list of tropical type? You no. Know, no. No, y'all don't uh, deal with them too much? Uh, you mean like native trees? We don't have tropical trees here. No way. Uh, and not even imports there. like uh, Malaysia or Indonesia. Uh, you know, you you can get some of those uh, generic bonsai from the supermarket stuff. You know, okay. imported. Yeah, so I mean, you, 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 you can. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you can get those here, but I mean, it's quite impossible to grow them here. Okay. Uh, mainly because of the winter. Uh, no, we have like. Uh, the temperate species here. We do have some Mediterranean species growing here natively on the coastline, but still, at my place, they need winter protection at least. Uh, okay. So it, it gets too cold for those here. Speaking like olives or myrtle or stuff like that. Um, and so even like greenhouses, y'all would have to really put, invest a lot of time and money into getting a greenhouse. That would even be too challenging for some tropical temperate species like that? I never tried tropical trees actually because I just don't think it would make any sense. You know, I mean, they, they would, pro- hmm. I would I would make them survive and grow and stuff like that, but they would they would never thrive. You know, okay. uh, because I just couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, maybe if I invested a ton ton load of money into a great greenhouse, but for me, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, I, I do have a, a greenhouse for my Mediterranean species, like. I've got a few olives, some pork bark, pork bark oaks, and stuff like that. But there's just a few, few trees. Uh, okay. Also, it's mainly unheated during the winter, but for those species, it's enough. So y'all are, I mean, you're basically just saying stuff that works for you. Yeah, you don't want to have to try too much just because the variety of species is just good enough on its own to have to worry about greenhouses yeah. and cold frames as much. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, my, my way of thinking is actually use what grows best in your climate. So mm-hmm. that pretty much means native species or species that are that come from a similar climate. 
You know, I mean, sure, you can go ahead and try different varieties, but if you don't have the right conditions to grow them, it just doesn't really make sense or it, it would need it would need too much effort to to make them make it work, you know. So yeah, best to just stick with your own own material you have at home or in locally, you know, and and grow those. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I guess it sucks if you don't have any any great material for bonsai growing locally, but yeah, just try to do your best. I mean, you just need to to get the the right conditions for your trees. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say that because that's something that we do preach a good bit on this pat on this podcast on the show and whenever i go and i i teach in my local areas uh is about natives i mean i'm a pretty pretty hardcore native type person myself in bonsai um and but we are fortunate enough in my range in south southeast louisiana which we're much more tropical so we can so those generic type bonsai species see like all the ficuses and stuff uh there's actually some really outstanding Ficus varieties that me and uh, one of my other co-hosts that he's he's traveling he would be a great addition to the tr- the tropical conversation as as he always is, uh, but he's from South Florida and it's a whole different world, and so you know I do lean really heavily on the natives here and it's good to hear someone else especially someone who's practicing bonsai at your level to promote natives in your range um, and and speaking of natives you were telling me uh, a little while before right before we hopped on that there you feel like a lot of the trees here like you could just convert them over to your range and you feel like they would be easy enough to just be able to explain the same techniques as how you feel about that yeah kind of i mean you know if you think about it europe and, and north america were one continent at one point you know so it's kind of logical to have similar species you know, for example, we've got pines, we've got larches, we've got spruce, uh, we've got hornbeams, stuff like that. You know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people over the pond are quite familiar with those. They just, you just, you guys just have different varieties of those. And uh, if we're talking about styling and stuff like that, uh, horticultural aspects and everything else, they they are quite similar, I think. So hmm. yeah. And so. Would you say that your range is a is a conifer or a deciduous dominated type climate? Uh, huh. You know, it's funny you asking because yeah, huh. If I think about it, you probably haven't of, had that, kind of, that, kind of, that question before. It's probably kind of weird, huh? <laughs> really. No, not not really. No, but Slovenia, for being such a small country, we have a huge range of different uh, landscapes. So we also get a huge variety of different species, you know, because we have we have the seaside, we have the mountains, we have the lowlands. Uh, so yeah, we get usually more conifers in the mountains and more deciduous in in, in the lowlands. So, uh, but it's pretty much mixed up, you know. I, I would, couldn't really say which which are more dominant, you know. So yeah, there, there's a mix of both of them. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, which part of Slovenia are you located in? Uh, I am. I live pretty close to Ljubljana, which is the capital, and it's located pretty much in the center of the country, okay. uh, just uh, a little bit north northwest from it. So I live relatively close to the mountains, but still in the in the lowlands. So we don't really have any any bigger impact 
climate-wise from the mountains. So yeah, cool. And uh, and so as far as as uh, y'all's bonsai clubs, would y'all say that the bonsai club scene is pretty pretty uh, pretty strong out there? Y'all have a lot of a lot of community support. Uh, well, in my country, there's only there's just the one bonsai club. The one oh, no I'm way. president. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's just how it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you think about it, Slovenia only has like two, two million, just about over two million inhabitants. So, yeah, that's all it takes. Uh, well, regarding the club scene, I mean, it's not really booming, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, uh, but lately or in the past few years, people just I don't know. They're maybe not willing or can't afford to to invest too much time or money into bonsai. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people here are just I don't know, forming smaller groups between themselves and just work or working by themselves on on their trees and they're fine with it. You know, um, every two years, for example, with the club, we are organizing uh, an international bonsai exhibition here mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and usually in those years, there's a lot more activity going on. Um, but yeah, uh, another downside, uh, for me being the president is since I have, since I'm doing my own stuff with my own, own bonsai studio, you know, time is limited. Uh, Mm -hmm. usually all, all the bonsai events are on, on weekends. So there's just so many there are in one year, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I, I try. Try to organize at least two workshops per year with the club and the exhibition every two years. Mm. Um, and I, I'm I'm trying to to get people more involved to so they would organize more events by themselves, you know, because obviously I can't be um, can't can't attend all of them. Um, I also don't have the time to organize everything by themselves by myself. Uh, but yeah, sadly, so far, um, without a push, nobody was, nobody is organizing anything, anything by, by themselves. So, uh, that's making it a, a little bit difficult, but I mean, not, not really difficult. It, I just think it's a pity, you know, because if people are joining, joining a club, um, I was to expect to, to have some more activity with it, you know? Get more and more and more stuff going on but yeah that's just sadly how it is at the moment yeah and it, it it is to be noted um as well that uh you listed on your your portfolio that you were 1991 you're you're my age you're my peer uh so mm. we're we were, we're young guys in this and hearing that oh, yeah. you're the, the the president of your own club in your country um What's the demographic like? Are you do you see a lot of young people in your country getting into bonsai, or how's it kind of look there? Mm, huh, well, saying young people in bonsai—that's kind of a relative term, I, I don't think, uh, because I don't know. I mean, yeah, I or us both. I mean, we're we're probably still among the the younger ones mm-hmm. in in the bonsai scene. Uh, I mean, since I remember, I was the youngest one. At, anywhere wherever i i attended any an exhibition an event for a long long time uh mm-hmm. in the past few years I, I do see some younger ones here and there but i mean yeah usually the the 
there are not that many young people in bonsai. Usually, at least in Europe, I think most of the bonsai people are older people. And in some countries, they, they kind of struggle with that because all their club members or whatever, they're just older people and not a lot of young folks is, is uh, doing this hobby. Uh, but luckily, I'd, I'd say in Slovenia, we have quite an, a, a good number of younger people doing it as well. So mm-hmm. I guess we, we I could say we're, we're kind of lucky with that. Yeah, I, I do see. I mean, this is something that I talk with uh, some of my younger friends that get into bonsai every once in a while is the it's the generational gap i feel like there was a little bit of a weird gap there between uh and i don't know what it would be like in sylvania but over here in the states the golden age of bonsai was around 1970 and into the 80s and that was because we had john naka benoki and Roy Takanashi running around giving workshops and classes for the first time, we had this little bit of a boom in interest there. And mm-hmm. so we kind of we we kind of did really well there for a little while. And a lot of bonsai clubs actually formed around that time, which is really great. And then it kind of petered off for a second. And now we got the the internet, I feel like is the revival of the interest, the renewed interest in bonsai again. But um, but yeah, I that I think that is that that might be one of the issues, but I don't know. It's I think it's still early, too early to tell because now the mixture of young and older people getting to bonsai is unique here. And so, what from your? Do you know a lot of back history on your club, or did you found your club? How does that? How, how did that come to be? Oh well, our, our club was founded in two thousand three, so it's a rel- relatively young club compared to other European clubs, or I don't know in in the states even. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously there was bonsai before that, but just not they didn't form a club. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bonsai scene here in Europe, it's also started like in in the 70, late seventies, say early eighties, maybe I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 doing kind of good, I think. Um, I I didn't really notice any any. Uh, any less interest or like a gap, like you mentioned mm-hmm. here, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much all the, the let's say the older guys started bonsai, like the bigger names, they're still still doing it. Uh, but there are more and more younger guys coming up to the scene, you know, so um, I think bonsai is getting more and more popular here. Also, yeah, like you mentioned, the internet is doing its thing, you know, so um yeah although at this point i'd like to mention that yeah now for example in the internet you have tons and tons of information but uh people should keep in mind that pretty much half of it is incorrect so you know it's (laughs) still still yeah that's one of the downsides of of the internet right yeah so um still i don't know for whomever who wants to to get into bonsai i mean they, they should find a professional who would which can guide them, guide them uh, from face to face, you know, so, or just at least explain a bit more in detail about the information they found on the internet, for example, because a lot of it is, is correct, but only under certain, certain circumstances, um, certain, yeah. Circumstances with it. Yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I meant. No, it's okay. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. 
there's I could say there's a, a small downside to to the internet as well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean otherwise the bonsai scene here is is doing kind of well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get we'll get into in just a moment where how you got into bonsai and how you developed uh, your skills and all that uh, stuff. But I did want to mention before we get too far about the generational. Uh, gap thing here for us was that I was I'm kind of under the impression that people traveling to to Japan to get formal educations was kind of an issue for a long time and it was not until recently that and you 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 know these names uh they're they're pretty big guys I mean uh, uh Bjorn Bjornholm Ryan Neal yeah uh, they they went over and came back, and within that time period of them coming back, have we seen this boom in America of of bonsai really coming up? Yeah. Uh, so I think that may have something else to do with it. But I mean, this might be an opinion. I don't want to say, and I don't want to say it all. I don't want anybody in the states to get offended and say that we haven't been practicing bonsai at a high level. But I did notice a jump at that time, in the early two thousands. That's a good point to kind of look at too. Uh, but for you guys, uh, yeah. Do you do y'all have a lot of people interested in your range? Uh, have you been to Japan? It's kind of not, not trained. No, no, no. I, unfortunately, no, no, no. I've not been to Japan yet. It's definitely on the list, but yeah, didn't have the chance so far. And do y'all um, have but, any uh, traveling professionals? Anyone that you know of that's trained? Just, just really quick, quick note to see. Yeah, there are a few of them. Uh, there are a few of them. Uh, some of them went went for a longer apprenticeship. apprenticeship. Um, I don't know. One of the first guys, uh, or maybe, huh? Not too sure about that. Yeah, I, I guess one of the first guys were uh, Marco Invernizzi or Salvatore Liparacci from Italy. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, don't take my word for it. I, I'm not too 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 familiar with how and when and who who went where stuff like that. But also one of the first guys was. Uh, Mario Comsta, uh, mm-hmm. he I think is also one of the one of the more famous guys here in Europe who does bonsai really really well, um, and yeah, those were like kind of like the pioneers of people going to Japan to be an apprentice, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't know, lately or in the the last few years, I don't know. I mean, I w- I couldn't say I noticed like a boom to 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 go to Japan, you know, for, for studying and stuff like that. Sure, I mean, people are going over there either for a longer period, but I think mostly for a shorter period, like, like a couple of months. Um, yeah, for intensives but, and stuff, I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's not really that trendy here, I think, at least not from, from my notice. So um, yeah, I mean... And yeah, like I said, I've never been to Japan yet as well. So uh, yeah. you can definitely come by without it, you know? Yeah, and I've seen, I mean, I'm I'm over here doing bonsai and the States never been to Japan, unfortunately, either. Uh, our co-host Carmen's been, uh, and she went there just to select some imports uh, one time for, for stuff. But she she's working with uh, Michael Hagedorn over here. And, and I've done some of his intensives and... There's enough education within the states that I've seen uh, where you could easily learn bonsai without having to make that trip. And from yeah. from the sounds of it, where where you're at, uh, it should be fairly easy to find a bonsai professional in your range. 
And you also instruct as well. So there's a chance to learn with you, right? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, um, even from years back, for example, I even from that time, I know of a few great bonsai artists who've never been to Japan and are doing bonsai phenomenally, you know. So, yeah, it, it's not, not an obligation you have to go through, you know, uh, yep. to do bonsai well. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's, you know, it's for, it's also for the listeners to know, too, that, you know, like you don't have to pursue higher levels of, of education to be great at bonsai. Some people, then some people are more, are more gifted in the aesthetics and the horticulture practices of bonsai. So, but you know, it, it comes with the practice and the time. And speaking of, uh, practice and time, uh, how did you get into bonsai? I know you love every every bone everybody that does bonsai loves going into this. And uh, <laughs> either your story is is uh, radical or it's it's as mundane as mine, where I watched the Karate Kid one time. So how did you get into bonsai? <laughs> uh, short answer: no idea. Oh, so, see, there you go. yeah, <laughs> no idea. There you go. Yeah, no. But actually, what happened was, is, as far as I remember, um, I was ten years old. I one day I wanted to, to just wanted to have a bonsai tree. I don't know where I found bonsai or heard of bonsai, no clue. Uh, mm. So yeah, my parents bought me one of those generic small tropical trees from your local supermarket. Uh, it was a Syrisa, actually. Uh, there you go. I actually kept that one for five years, believe it or not. Um, and it's, yeah, I have to mention it's one of those species completely not suitable for my climate. Um, but yeah, I mean, then came the second bonsai, the third bonsai, then after a year or two, I joined the, joined the local bonsai club and yeah, then slowly my interest in bonsai, um, got higher and higher. Um, I tried to visit as many exhibitions as possible, uh, watch as many demos as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, then later I was attending a lot of workshops with different people. Um, so yeah, pretty much I tried to absorb as much knowledge from as many different sources, sources as possible. Um, and yeah, now, now I hear, now here I am with bonsai as my job and yeah, that's yeah. kind of what happened, but still, I mean, it kind of took me 20 years to get here. So yeah, definitely, um, it definitely took some time, you know, like pretty much anything in bonsai. Uh, would you have imagined that you would do bonsai for your career or was it something, uh, were you doing other things before or how, how did that uh, come to be? Yeah. Well, bonsai for a very long time was my, my favorite hobby, so to say. Um, and I always had sort of like a wish to, for it once to be my job, which I do professionally. Um, but you know, I, I was always I w was a bit uncertain how it would go because obviously bonsai um, as a hobby it's 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 a relatively sm small market, you know, mm. um, compared to some other stuff. So um, maybe I could say I'm I'm a bit fortunate for being uh, I wouldn't say the only one, but one of the few people in in my area who do this kind of professionally. Um, I'm also quite lucky to be the only the only business in Slovenia 
who offers bonsai tools and basic supplies. So that definitely also helps. Mm. Um, but still, I mean, it's it's tough. It's doable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can live from live from it, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Nothing more to say, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get what you need out of out of the out of the business side of it, but the bone size, what you're really in for it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And would you say uh, this is kind of a one of the other uh, answer to this question is: Do you feel like bonsai is obsession or is it a labor of love? How, which way do you kind of go with it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Uh Someone once told me that everybody, everyone who does bonsai is a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think there's some truth. <laughs> there's some truth in it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, my answer to your question would be a little bit of both, I think. Um, but no, still, I mean, at least for now, knock on wood, I mean, it's something I really love doing. And even, I don't know, if somebody asks me what I, what I prefer doing in my spare time, I just say, I like to do bonsai. I mean, you know, so, yeah, yeah, really. I mean, luckily, luckily, I I really not look at my job as my job, you know. I just look at it. It's something I love to do. I enjoy doing it, and I even get paid for it. I mean, what what better things are there? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, obviously, I mean, you you do get times where where there's more work to be done or it's a bit, bit, uh, maybe gets a bit too much, but... Yeah, that just goes with it, you know. Um, and so, as far as your area, do you feel like you're? Are you catering towards more beginners, or are you catering towards uh, more advanced, or are you maintaining collections, or how does it feel in your range as far as that goes? Well, basically, I'm offering uh, a range of services, so whatever people are asking from me, you know. I mean, obviously, I, I wouldn't really say I, I, I consider my, myself now to be one of the top people in Europe, far from it. Uh, but I, I'd say I definitely have some some knowledge already in me gathered over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, there are some beginner courses I, I host. Um, and I've been I've been um, invited a lot for for various club workshops um around europe and doing demos um so yeah i mean it's 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 a variety of mm-hmm. services actually so um yeah so no yeah and it was kind of like uh your clientele base because i find that in my part of the world uh my clientele base is a more of a mixture with the people who are really just getting into it and i run a Mm-hmm. I run a bonsai nursery, so yeah. my nursery might be different from your from your setup because my nursery is a is more eighty percent grow nursery. So I'm growing stuff in the ground, yeah. developing really young stock. Yeah, and and for you, it looks like you have a lot more uh, specimen quality plants. Uh, kind of depends. I mean, it depends on what I can get at the time. Uh, depends what I have left over in my garden. You know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, usually the, the stuff that sells sooner is the cheaper stuff usually, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. so, but no, I mean, at the moment I'd say I have like 150 to 100 trees in, sitting in, in my garden 
And I mean, that's just because I'm doing it professionally, you know, because you, you just kind of have to need to have a, a wider range of different, different materials, you know, mm-hmm. um, to offer to the public. Um, I always say if I'd be doing bonsai only for, my, for myself, I, I don't know, I'd get 30, maybe 43 stops, uh, because otherwise you just can't handle stuff like that. You know, um, yeah. it, it's, it's a full-time job to have that many plants. Oh yeah, definitely. That you know, I'm I'm surprised you have time to talk with me now. Uh, (laughs) I mean, because you're you're hand watering everything, yeah, correct. And then you're and you're doing the maintenance and pruning on all your on all the trees that you deal with, yeah, and all the repotting is. And y'all's repotting season, I'm assuming, has that was uh, around the same time as ours, so it would have been around uh, mm, end of march end okay. of march is beginning and i don't know it goes all the way up to beginning of may maybe for some conifers still but yeah yeah okay it's it's, it's the, very the similar to us uh <clears throat> yeah it's surprisingly similar but um but yeah the i i do i do imagine the amount of work and I, and i hear you on that it's like how many trees would i comfortably have if i was just doing bonsai for me and uh mm-hmm. and the number for me is around 30 to 40 and i try to keep that many trees because i i can keep my trees uh separate from the nursery and i have trees in my home here so Mm -hmm. uh that i that maintain so speaking of of that do are there trees that you feel particularly attached to you have a handful of trees or a number of trees that you're just like this is mine kind of feel to it Uh, well uh i know it's difficult you need to know you need to know if you're doing bonsai for a business you just have to get it in your head. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. need to survive from it, you know? So yeah, yeah sure. I mean, th- there are some trees or a number of trees that I wouldn't want to sell, uh, but pretty much every, almost everything's got a price. Um, yeah. If it doesn't have a price ticket already on it, it's going to be a little bit higher, obviously, but there are only very, very few trees that I would never sell in my life. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about this topic from here, from time to time, just to, to I don't know. Um, I was just questioning myself what, what I'd do if if I would sell any tree or no, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And I came to the conclusion that actually what I prefer doing is developing trees. So let's say developing uh, raw material into a bonsai. Um, so this is actually what I, I could say is my favorite part in bonsai. Um, after a number of years, obviously, sure. I mean, you, you get at, at the refinement stage with, with the tree. Um, and yeah, then, then, then you're basically just maintain, maintaining it. So, um, perhaps at that point, I don't know, I would, I even wouldn't mind selling a tree. Um, but I don't know. For me, the, 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 I don't know, not really the, mo- the more important part, but the, the part I enjoy the most is bringing a tree from the beginning to exhibition stage. And maybe also if I get the chance to exhibit it. Um, but yeah, no, there's just something one maybe even needs to do if you, if you want to do it professionally, you know, you just, um, mm. sometimes have to sell a tree. You don't really want to, but yeah, that's just how it goes. Yeah. I could see that. I, I've I've pulled the trigger on a few trees in the past where I was just like, 
you know, there, there, there will be another tree, you know, exactly. Um, exactly. There could be a better one and, and, you know, your, and your skills will hone in as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, that Mike's really enlightened me about in the past was that this is what you're seeing now is what you learned in, in bonsai mostly is what you learned about five years ago. So what's sitting in your garden currently is what you knew as bonsai five years ago. And now you're, you're still trying to catch it up to what you're currently applying to it now as you, as you progress. Mm. Uh, and styles and your and even your own style and 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 taste in bonsai will change and then uh from how we're talking about it too is that what is also the the cultural influence like what sells in your range and how do you need to make those adjustments as well so yeah it's it's a little bit more of a abstract thought maybe for some of the beginner listeners out there we might say uh, I'm learning things from the past that I'm applying to the future now, but it's, it, it is what bonsai is. It's, it is sure. past mistakes that we may have made on a tree, you know? So, sure. um, but yeah, it, it is unfortunate that we do have to part ways with, uh, with trees to make a living at it. And, yeah. but also you have your, your professional services as well, which is a service and that could also provide as well on that end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so you have, uh, you have a good bit of, uh, awards that you've won or is that, that's something you know, like you yeah. won at you the trophy? The, uh, that... yeah, as a trophy, I got a one award from there. Uh, unfortunately not one from the organizers. I don't ho- have one of those yet. Uh, mm. I was giving one award from uh Bonsa museum from Düsseldorf in, in Germany who they gave they give uh, like a nomination for the best native species at, at, an, at an exhibition uh, okay. so they're doing it um, in a number of places um, uh, and, uh, so yeah that's what and what sorry. species was that tree uh, I got it from uh, for a nice uh, literati mugo pine okay. uh, that I have um, otherwise one of my more notable awards is uh, best in show at uh, Bonsai Bonsai um, Bonsai Sun exhibition in Salieu, France. Um, that was one of the the bigger exhibitions that took place in Europe. Sadly, it's not not taking place anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean that that one is I think my most important prize I got so far. Uh, and then maybe if you're familiar with the Crespi Cup in Italy. It's also taking, um, I think, biannually taking place. Yeah. Uh, I'll also have a nomination from there uh, and an IBC award uh, yeah. from there. And, then, uh, yeah. Then a number of other um, awards as well from, I don't know, various either smaller shows or European Bonsai Association exhibition or stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you say the majority of the trees that you are winning these awards with are you you're, you're doing mostly the uh the native stuff that you have there um pretty much pretty much yeah yeah also for example i mean that kind of goes from person to person you know what your personal taste is but for example you if i'm i'm giving the opportunity to to be a judge at, at the show to give 
for for giving awards i usually prefer native trees to imported ones you know because usually a lot you, you can know that a lot more work was being put into into a native tree than uh, an impo- imported one you know hmm. uh, if you get my point yeah so, yeah um you know because otherwise you just have people i don't know people who can afford a nice expensive juniper from let's say Kimura's garden from Japan, just yeah. buy it, spray it off, put it in an exhibition, win first place. I mean, that's, that's sorry yeah. for saying it, but that's bullshit. Yeah, no, it's um, fine. It, it yeah. is. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a little um, bit of a, a chess fall whenever I, yeah, like I've seen, I've seen in the national show here, we have our, our shows called the, just the U.S. national bonsai exhibition. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and, uh, you, and you've been to that show? No, unfortunately, not yet. Okay, I've only been one time to to the US, so maybe sometime, hopefully. Yeah, in the future. Huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen imported trees in that show, and it's and it's fun. But I mean, to to what level would that tree be at if it was you know if it's a native tree? Like you were saying, that's a great point to make. Is that if it's a native tree and it was collected or developed in your range, then you have to have that's notable there because you have to have appreciation for that species sure. and also know what time frame was that tree developed because a lot of the imports from Japan i mean those trees they have the formula and the the time and the and the the, the specialized boneside nurseries more than than we would have uh and and i don't know how it is for you guys uh but it does sound like it's it's similar in the same pardon me in the same vein that Y'all, y'all would have to field grow and also Yamadori collection as well to get a lot of y'all's yeah. materials. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a, a letdown to see that, but I mean, if you can, if you can afford those nice trees, do it. But yeah, you know, no, sure, sure, get. I'm not, I'm not against that. You know, definitely yeah. not. But <laughs> it just, it's just kind of a letdown, you know, to just see a tree like that win sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not not a great tree, you know, or something or stuff like that. It just it just kind of feels not, not fair, <laughs> yeah. You know, to to the other people who are taking years and years of their time developing a tree and then just have some some foreigner win, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a gray area in bonsai, you know. I mean, you, you can't can forbid it. Uh, and you you can be totally fine with it, but that's just how it is, I guess. Yeah, and and it's something that's not talked about a whole lot, and it it's a really uh, sensitive subject too. But I mean, importing is, and that's something kind of we can kind of talk lightly on for a moment. That's uh, it's fairly difficult here in the states because of the um, because of all the things we have to go through with uh, what was what, what would you call it. Uh, crap the, what, like the the quarantine well yeah we have the like quarantine that. issues yeah. yeah and then also shipping where we we have to we have to get a lot of our, our trees bare rooted and if you wanted uh-huh. to bare root a pine or a juniper you know how that goes yeah and uh and it's just it's it's not pretty you know so with you guys would you say and and i mean i've only heard i've only heard stories and little conversations about importing in, in europe in your range so is it easier would you say it's easier or harder from your your standpoint uh i've got no idea 
I'm not doing it myself, uh, okay. so I don't know any any details. Uh, okay. But a lot of people here in Europe are, are doing it, so I'd say it's definitely more less complicated than in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't really know the, the details. Okay. Um, do you, I mean, do you enjoy collecting? Is that something you get into? Uh, I do, or maybe I'd say I, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really do it as much anymore, if if even. Um, actually, this this year and the past year, uh, there wasn't a single tree I collected, unfortunately, uh, simply due to the lack of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, uh, if you're doing bonsai professionally, or let's say, if you're in the business to sell trees, if you collect the Midori, you, you have to wait with that tree for at least two years before you can sell it right yeah uh, so in, in the meantime it's kind of that that capital you know taking mm. up space and then stuff like that uh so what i prefer doing is uh, is actually buying off trees from i don't know other people other friends that i know who've been into bonsai for a number of years who simply have too many trees for them to handle yeah um and yeah that's those are basically my, my sources to get to get material um and yeah i mean obviously maybe there's not not as much profit as is there would be with me collecting but still i mean it's actually a much safer way uh because you know all the trees are already well established uh ready to go to go to a new owner mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean that's pretty much how i've been doing it for for the last few years yeah over here in the states we're really on the we're on the 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 train right now of or everyone's everyone's jumping on the wagon i guess you can say of uh going out into the like the rockies or the appalachians or the the smokies or whatever you want to say and pulling out those trees out of those ranges and the yamadori game over here is is pretty strong because i mean it did take some time like you said you got to go pull the tree it's not as safe for the tree because the tree could suffer it could could be a dud and you could waste, you know, invaluable yeah. material that you didn't create. Um, so, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're starting to finally see a turnaround in collected materials, but it's interesting to hear that you have enough stock over there from people who used to do bonsai or have too many bonsai, um, that you would have enough there that you could get them and, and, uh, and work with them and make them better and bring them to that, that expedition level, like you've said, um, and then basically flip them for that, you know? Um, sure. but yeah, that that's interesting to know that there's enough people like that. And it, it makes me a little jealous to, <laughs> to know that there's like, <laughs> there's enough people out there, uh, because, you know, I don't know if you, if you guys have anything going on with, uh, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Louisiana and hurricanes, like we're approaching hurricane season now and, uh, hurricanes could wipe out an entire bonsai collection overnight. I can Um, imagine. Yeah. So it's just, I guess it also just comes down to the way that the actual culture and, and climate and just everything that happens with where you're at as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely don't have tornadoes or stuff like that yeah or hurricanes mm-hmm. uh so that's kind of lucky i think uh but no i mean we obviously do, do have some some of those summer storms or hailstorms occasionally 
you know so i don't know having like like uh hail protection over your your bonsai is very advisable mm. um but luckily talking about bad weather we we are quite fortunate regarding the topic yeah 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 no it's that we do have parts of uh the united states where where it's similar it sounds very similar i'm thinking it's more in line because we said portland earlier so i'm probably gonna aim for more like colorado are you okay. familiar with how that area is not really not really you haven't but, heard of how it is uh i mean okay i mean i i know of thought works there and i i know about a, a little bit what species he works on but so i i'd say it could be similar yeah maybe similar and speaking of where you uh where did you end up over here in the states uh i was uh i went to california just a bit almost two years ago okay. uh i was inv invited by the californian bonsai society to do a number of workshops uh and i actually on that trip i was fortunate enough also to to visit ryan Hill's place uh okay. so yeah california uh portland so yeah so yeah that's the relevance that you have for it then yeah uh, pretty much and what do you think about the the bone size scene there because i mean that in my opinion and whatever i've seen mm -hmm. uh california into up into oregon that's that's the strongest parts of our bonsai world in in the states could be could be i mean yeah obviously i'm not as familiar with with the other parts but mm -hmm. from what I'm seeing uh, from the internet, yeah, those parts are quite up there. I think. Also, mm -hmm. from when I when I've been to to California, I mean, they've been doing bonsai there for a long time. So, and, and it shows. It yeah. definitely shows. So, yeah. Uh, and as far as uh, bonsai styles in your range, I think that would I think that would have been some something interesting. Kind of get into a little bit is. Is there anything that you feel like is in vogue right now? Like as far as what people like about particular species or styles or trees? Uh, it's just something I, oh. and also for my interest a little bit, because we have like a new American wave going on over here right now where it's like rustic pots, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I know what you designs. mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huh. I mean, yeah, obviously people are experimenting with stuff like that here as well. Uh, maybe it's not as popular as in the States, uh, but you get to see some crazy stuff here and there. Like for once, for, for example, at one time uh, at this big exhibition in Italy, there was a beautiful olive tree planted in a car tire. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it is what it is. You like it or you don't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, sure. People are are trying out new stuff. I mean, but I think it's it doesn't stick as good as in the, as it does in the states. Um, mm. I think the the majority of people here, actually me included, prefer kind of prefer the the more traditional approach of bonsai. You know, like having a ceramic container uh, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, having nice tidy foliage and yeah, um, and following following the the basic rules of of container selection as yeah. well and and yeah in styling with different certain species like you you guys are not doing anything crazy with certain species that have like their own thing going on kind of like uh making a reference to like you know like the pranif style over in uh for the brazilian rain tree or um yeah. 
or yeah. there's a, there's another species that's very straightforward on its design. I had a good example, but it slipped away. Mm-hmm. But would you say there's anything that you can think of that has like its own distinct thing that's going on over there? I wouldn't say so. I mean, from what I'm I'm familiar with now, I I, I don't really know of any any stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, sure. If if somebody wants to do it, go ahead, do it. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't really mind or care for that matter. So um, if <laughs> if people are gonna like it, on the other hand, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe maybe not. Um, and so, would you say when you go to judge shows or you're going to view bonsai, uh, either way, you're going to be looking for traditional? And would if somebody's going to to do something a little bit more kind of off the rails kind of feeling, would the craftsmanship and the execution uh-huh. of it could that save it for you? Uh, well, obviously. I mean, even if you get if you have a crazy design, I mean, I would still look at how how well it's executed. I don't know. I mean, you, you can you can look at, for example, ramification either way, you know, or how mm-hmm. how mature the tree is. Um, on the other hand, I don't know if you would if somebody would, I don't know. Let's take for example um, a spruce or like a pine tree, or you know how the the, the formal. Uh, most classical pine tr- pine tree locust is you know, and if somebody would try to make something I don't know deciduous shaped out of it, I mean it was just kind of not feel right at least in my opinion, you know. So hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you want to go and experiment, I mean you gotta get it right. Uh, it's kind of difficult to explain, but obviously we. All, we all have our own different taste and yeah some, some things you like for for some stuff you're open to and mm-hmm. for some stuff you you'd probably just go like hell no uh, yeah. so yeah um you know it's it's difficult to to talk about it i mean just from from abstractly um, out in conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we do every once in a while we do have like a critique of trees that we see uh either it shows like we did our previous episode where we went to uh what we have uh over here is the american bonsai society learning seminars and uh and there was there's trees there that me and uh carmen were going through and kind of critiquing and talking about not not flaws necessarily because we're not we're not trying to make anybody feel less about how they designed a tree we're just trying to say design improvements or maybe progression um and i feel like from what i've gathered from you so far that's something that you could you could be uh, agreeable on is uh is if you're going to progress a tree and make it better there's there's definitely room for that critique there um so maybe maybe in the future we could talk more about that if you're interested in uh tree critiques that's always fun um Mm. But I mean, that's something we've got kind of got into with the show as well. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I remember asking you earlier uh, about a species like your preferred species or your favorite. Uh, and I know you you were kind of like, oh, I kind of, you don't know. But if you had to say, I don't want to force you to say, you know, just something like you're like, oh well, I'm just going to say that because it's all there is. But I mean, if you were to say like, is there a species that that you had growing up that you thought was ideal would be your favorite or how do you feel? 
Uh, yeah, that, that's a difficult question. I mean, I mean, no, it's not really difficult, but it's it's difficult to choose from all all those, all those trees. Mm. Uh, okay, let's say if I had one tree tree species to choose from, I think I'd go with with larix with larches. Um, I, I don't know. I just li- like them. The needles drop off, so they they're deciduous. It's easy to to wire them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the the spring foliage is just beautiful. They have uh, fall colors, and yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's one of my my favorite species. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very workable species is kind of oh, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of kind of the frame I can come with uh, with the uh, the taxodium. The mm-hmm. bald cypress. Do you guys yeah. ever see those, or is that really out of y'all's range? Uh, those are quite rare here. I mean, we only get them from tree nurseries, um, and obviously, I, I think you can imagine what kind of material you can get there. I mean, yeah, you it's, know, it's okay. Nothing special. <laughs> not nothing special. Yeah. at least not for bonsai. So uh, they're quite rare here to see as yeah. bonsai. Yeah, and I could see that. With uh, speaking of workable species, for those who are listening. Uh, we have deciduous conifer nature, so the needles of of larch are are very nice. Um, and then the fact that the needles fall, and then you can wire it, um, and much easier without having to worry about knocking off needles or breaking them, or uh, and even as to say, like some some things, some issues that you could have with the needles could be fixed during a defoliation and then a treatment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I could see that. Um, but I mean, that's one of the species that I don't get over here and I'm kind of jealous of, uh, but I've seen some really spectacular larch in the past. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a great species. And what, and I, I'm in, I'm in this kind of weird range where, uh, my bald cypress, my deciduous conifer can either be put into a glazed or an unglazed container. How how do you feel about larch in that perspective? Uh, definitely unglazed for me. Definitely, definitely. yeah. It's yeah. just based off. No, of no, no question about it. <laughs> just because of the needle. Uh, maybe not. I mean, <laughs> depends how you look at it. But you know, larches—they're still conifers, and they've got rugged bark, rugged deadwood. Uh, I mean, sure, the the needles could have like a slightly a feminine look to it but for me it's still like a masculine tree uh so no for me it's not 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 debatable (laughs) unglazed definitely uh and i do see this one tree that's that's on your um on your portfolio page it's in a it's in a square unglazed container with the with a nice kind of lip that comes out a little bit and it's uh it looks it may be an evergreen it's a species that i'm not familiar with has lots of deadwood and a curved trunk and uh Mm. you you have a picture of you next to that same tree in your uh, if i knew what tree you're talking about that'd be great (laughs) yeah if you go to your about so if you go over to nickart-bonsai.com for the listeners so they can see and then about it's right. It might be in your. I think your about was uh, maybe in the por- portfolio section. Yeah, and in, yeah, about is in the portfolio section on act. Uh, uh-huh. It looks like. So if you go to portfolio, you go down. It says about, and you're next to this tree. Ah, that one. 
the yeah. slightly bigger one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, not the one you're working. You're just you're just next. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this one is actually it's a smoke bush. If a you're familiar bush. with those, okay. it's a smoke bush. Yeah, we they grow they grow here natively. So it's the green variety. So it's Cotinus cogigria. Um, and yeah, those are those are quite lovely. I mean, they get really nice autumn colors as well. Mm. Um, maybe not as mm, not as people are not as familiar or they're not as common as bonsai, but you still get to see them quite often. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, this is one of our native species. Um, yep. and they're quite, quite nice to work with as well. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about, uh, deciduous. So this tree does have deciduous qualities. It is a deciduous yeah. plant. Um, yeah. and so it's interesting to kind of talk about the larch versus this. And I guess it, this one's in an unglazed and I don't know if that's because of pot selection. It, it is, it's not the final pot yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for some for some deciduous trees, it could go either way, in my opinion. You know, it mm. just kind of depends on the characteristics. You know, if you have old rugged bark or, or dead wood, uh, it could very well go into an ugly spot. Um, yeah. So yeah. And and yeah, and I was just saying uh, for the the pot selection on it, and for uh, for those who are listening, that 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 uh, Nick's right for saying right away like yeah this is not the final container for it but it is at that stage where container selection would be appropriate to kind of consider those factors you know and i don't think it looks i don't think it looks bad in an unglazed pot because of the the quality of the trunk is uh is just rugged enough but it has um i guess it has more of a a stronger more masculine shape to it instead of as flowy it's a little bit more more uh i guess the crown's a little bit more boxed in kind of feeling a little bit more not as round but more straight on the sides um well you know i, I think in some cases you could go either way or, or it just depends what you're trying to achieve you know if you want to show mm -hmm. a tree without leaves or in leaf uh if you want to showcase the, a flowering tree during the period of flowering or stuff like that you know so you, in some cases you you have to decide on what what's what you want to point to the people you know um it goes either for for color or the pot or even for the size or shape you know so you, you can never have just one one definitive correct answer for any tree you know there's always more options for it um so yeah yep so yeah we're uh we're kind of coming towards the end here of uh of this of this uh this episode so uh was there anything that you felt like you wanted to mention for the listeners out there that are, I mean, it, uh, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is because I feel like there's just not enough exposure for, for other bonsai practitioners, especially when I notice, notice the level of bonsai that you practice at. And, and I feel like it's, it's like more, more people should be kind of brought forward and be like, Hey, look, look at this guy's work. Look at, look at this, this, you know, her work and his work and, and whatnot and so forth. Um, and you know, like just wanted to kind of put it out there, like, you know, like other parts, I think that's kind of one of the things is we get stuck and we get caught up in like what we're doing in our own little world of bonsai and there's so much more to it. So 
don't know. It, it's kind of hard to explain, but I did. I, I guess I just, I, you know, from me, I liked your, I really liked your work and I was like, Hey, let's see what Nick's got going on. So is there anything you feel like the listeners should know more about what you got going on in your world? Yeah. Well, thanks man. I mean, sure. I'm, everyone is very much welcome to come visit my website to come take a look at, I don't know, centuries that I've been working on or centuries from my personal collection or just search me up on Facebook or on Instagram. Like I said, Nick Art Bonsai Studio. Mm. Um, and yeah, most of my info is up there. Um, and yeah, anyone's very much welcome to contact me if they have any questions or whatever. So yeah, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's been great talking to you, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've enjoyed this this past hour. No, yeah, yeah. It's it's always it's always cool to get different perspectives, and uh, and to see how bonsai is in uh, different. I mean, there's so much to it that, uh, and and I'm it, there might be a case one day where I might travel over there and see different different things with like just hope for the day that I can go see uh, European bonsai or or even go actually go see Japan and stuff. Cause I think there's such high level bonsai compared to the States over there and a lot mm. of different perspectives. Uh, so yeah, it's awesome to know, uh, to know that's all going on and that. And from the conversation with you, you guys, you guys are, you know, from you, you're fairly open. You're very, uh, very straightforward with it. Uh, but I was also wondering uh, for maybe for bonsai clubs or stuff in the future, would you be willing to do, or do you do online courses or anything, or is there anything offered for that? If you want to do online lectures? Um, sure. I mean, it would be an option definitely, but you know, it, doing on like online courses or teaching in person are like worlds apart. You know, it's completely mm-hmm. different for either for the teacher or for the students to, to learn stuff um in-person courses are usually always much much better or the people learn much more from it there they, they can feel it they can touch it they can try it themselves mm-hmm. um but no i mean uh, otherwise yeah only courses could also be be an option um just recently there was a, a thing i don't know if you're familiar with uh bonsai worldwide uh mm-hmm. it was like an online teaching platforms platform uh, where there were, including myself, like 20, um, 20 professionals from, yeah, from around the world. Um, unfortunately it didn't go as the, the founding father wanted it to. So I, I, I'm not really sure if it's even still online, but yeah, that, that was one of the kind of like, uh, teaching platforms, uh, I was part of. Um, and the idea, the idea was good, but I don't really, I'm not really sure what, what went, went wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't okay. know, but yeah, I mean, definitely teaching online is definitely something I could do. Yeah. And I just went over and just looked it up real quick, bonesaiworldwide.com and the list is really good. The list of artists on here. Right. It's very interesting. Right? Yeah. So, and like you said, yeah, what went wrong? <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know. Too bad. Too bad. But too bad. Yeah. That's that's as much as you can say. But yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. For for the listeners who've been have listened this far into the show, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Like Nick said, don't forget to go over and check out his stuff. uh, NickArt-Boneside.com. Really cool trees. uh, Lots lots of good work on there. Uh, You can read up about him. Go uh, 
I mean, you have an online shop, but I'm, I'm guessing that would be more exclusive to where you're at, obviously, uh, for those in the States. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, really awesome raw materials on there as well. If you're uh, in his part of the world, you can probably go uh, over there and check that out. And then uh, for for the show, you know, under for Underhill Boneside, you can go over under underhillboneside.com. Go check us out over there. For Mike Lane, go over to uh, Kitsune Bonsai. Go see what professional services that uh, Mike offers. And then for Carmen, she is the current apprentice over at Michael Hagedorn's. Uh, she has Instagram, Becoming Bonsai. You can go check out her stuff there. She's starting a little series of Bonsai how-to videos. or little quick reels of simple things like like de- de- deflowering azaleas or uh, partial defoliation practices or just simple things like applying wire. So she's got some cool stuff going on there. And then uh, just just to shout out the Patreon uh, one more time for those who are interested, it's just Patreon forward slash little things for Boneside people. Become a Boneside best bud. We have a Discord, hang out, talk Boneside. And we're trying to come up with some creative uh, creative things to help uh, build a little community there. So, but yeah, thanks for hanging out, Nick. And I will, uh, I will be hopefully chat with you soon. This has been a great conversation, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for the invitation and yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man.